Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am here with Polona, otherwise known as Polly B on Twitter. If you guys are on Twitter, I will put her handle in the show notes so you guys can go follow her. She's super sweet. Um, Polly is from Slovenia, which I think is super cool. So we are going to get to talking about what it's like to live there since I know exactly two people from Slovenia and we'll be talking about her books and just life in general, books in general, all that kind of stuff. So grab a cup of tea and stay tuned. Hi, Polly. Hello. Do you prefer Polly or do you prefer Polona? It's Polly. I'm trying to um, get accustomed to it as my pen name. Okay, so we will go with Polly. And what made you want to become a writer? I I've actually wanted to become a writer since I was very young because I like writing and reading. I also write poems. Uh, my mom used to take me to the library since I was very small, since I was five, six since before I even began to read um, and she talked to me a lot, she read me stories uh, so yeah I've grown up with books and I'm still finding a lot of solace and a lot of um, wisdom in books so I just wanted to carry that on and also to transmit let's say my life experience um, okay so your how does your life experience how do you translate that over to a vampire story? And that's that's a very interesting <laughs> question. But but it, I I think it's it's I think the vampire fantasy genre and um, in general is quite amenable to writing about modern times and about let's say corporate or institutional culture because um, I wanted to write my book let's say it has layers of meanings. So the first layer of meaning would be what you see at a first glance. You see a young, young uh, heroine character uh, who's just beginning her career. But um, the message was that I wanted to convey was that um, young people need to take care not to lose themselves themselves in a um, in an institutional setting, let's say, or in um, in their careers uh, and. I think the vampire uh, genre in general, in general, it's quite amenable to that because um, vampires are bloodsuckers, and also some of the bosses in large companies or um, direct bosses can be, <laughs> let's say, can be can have those character traits sometimes. And what I wanted to portray was a young young woman coming to a corporate structure 
uh, trying to start her uh, professional career, but um, being but in doing that, she is in danger of losing herself, her own identity, to the um, the the let's say the attraction of 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 the corporate culture, which is portrayed by the vampires for leaving uh, the company she she gets her job at. Okay, so that's where the title lost comes in. So she's. She's just not really retaining her individual identity. Okay, that sounds really interesting. I might have to check that out. My TBR is, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger every single week. The more time I spend on Twitter, the more time I spend on my podcast. I I swear there's just not enough time to read all the books and I think that's part of the reason why so many people like myself who read and review books, we tend to stick with our particular genres. You know, I don't, I don't typically move outside of the fantasy, psychological thriller, murder mystery type books. I don't typically move outside of those. Um, every once in a while, it's really rare, but every once in a while you can snag me with a romance book. Every once in a while. But that is so rare. Like I won't even watch movies that are like romantic comedies. I, I just tend to really shy away from those. I want the excitement. I want the escape um, that comes with something that's outside of my norm, you know? So do you, do you read in the same genre that you write? I, I read quite a lot of, let's say, um, I have a very wide range of books I like to read. Um, I'm primarily, I was a science fiction fan, uh, also because my father had a large collection of uh, sci-fi and, uh, technology magazines uh, and then I, I went into fantasy and also um, I think I, I first um, met the, the vampire uh, genre uh, through Dracula and then I got interested in that so uh, I like to I, and I also like to read uh, you know the classical literature a lot Balzac also European um, some Slovenian writers uh, and poetry so I uh, I have to say that um, I started to write more after my I lost my father the previous year, so I kind of use um, all types of books, uh, any as much as I can to escape. Yeah, escape seems to be the word of the decade. I think um, you know last year we I mean the whole world just kind of just went a little bit bonkers last year I think um do you think that being under lockdown and quarantine and the pandemic and all of that do you think that helped or do you think that hindered your writing no it actually triggered my writing because um after my father died uh there was uh, some months that I wasn't able to do anything and but I I've always wanted to write a vampire fantasy just to to be able to read something uh, that I wanted to read, you know, 
And so I said to myself, when am I going to do, to do that if not now? Um, and there was a lot of time because of the, the lockdowns. So I used it to write. So in my case, it actually helped uh, the creative process. That's cool. Um, I had another question. Oh, what about Dracula drew you to the vampire genre? I think the um, it's Dracula is the epitome of you know the vampire or or our, our let's say the original representation of vampires, uh, enticing, well mannered, uh, uh, old old nobility. Uh, so vampires as having everything that we don't have as humans, um, and that's. I think it, it's it's a type of book that kind of draws you to, and I think also those vampire books and also series series that are um, that have been read by, widely uh, conform to that to, to to vampires as um, symbolizing all our uh, hidden fantasies and all our uh, also um, our hidden darkness our hidden uh, um, desires and um, that's why I also use them in that way. Okay, very cool. Um, I do want to make a quick note to the listeners. Polly has her phone outside while recording this, so you guys might hear a little bit of wind. I hope it doesn't overshadow her voice um, because we really, really, really want you to be able to hear what she's saying. But I just want you to know that if you do hear that rustling in the background, that is wind from her being outside. Personally, I am enjoying the view of Slovenia in the background. So I don't want her to have to go inside if we can help it. So I hope you guys will be patient with that. Um, So what, next question, what are you currently reading? I'm currently reading, rereading my uh, Terry Pratchett collection. I'm a big Terry Pratchett fan and also Neil Gaiman fan, and I'm rereading all of that uh, because I have all of his books. Uh, I like his language. I like his style of writing because I think he, he's one of the most optimistic uh, fantasy author, authors in the world. Uh, so I'm kind of rereading all of that just to find uh, the comfort those books offer. You know, I just recently, I would say within the past six months, maybe, got introduced to Terry Pratchett, and I still didn't know that he was an author. (laughs) I, well, I was hunting through Amazon Prime, I think, on, on my TV, looking for something new to watch. Like I wanted something that I had never heard of before, never seen before. And I came across the little mini series movies that they did of his, um, Hogfather. And I loved it so much. And now that I know he's an author, cause I'm literally today years old finding out he's an author. So I'm going to have to go check him out. Um, I have heard of Neil Gaiman and I have heard a lot of really good things about his book. So he is definitely on my list. Um, I don't typically 
read a lot of the mainstream authors anymore. Um, typically, most of what I will read is indie books um, from authors I know on Twitter and um, NetGalley books, that kind of thing. Um, I, I try to find the, the lesser known books and, you know, cause I have found so many gems in the lesser known, the less mainstream books. And, you know, that's just, that's something that I have really, really, really come to love about the, the book community on Twitter, uh, is because I have been able to find so many just wonderful books from you guys. And, you know, I wanted, you know, when I started this podcast, I was so nervous and couldn't figure out what I wanted to talk about. And, but I knew I wanted to start the podcast and, you know, it just, the opportunity to have guests from the indie world on my podcast just kind of fell into my lap and I could not be happier than to be able to help out the indie world and, you know, bring, bring notice to these stories that the people need to, to see and people need to, to know about. Um, and you know, having people like you and having people like Seb Reed, you know, and just be able to help you guys out in that way really makes me feel good. <laughs> so I, I just say that, that I really, really admire what you said and also what you're doing with your podcast. And I, it's also on my to be done list to, to read uh, a number of my fellow authors that I have on Instagram and Twitter. Because I think some of those books are really, really good. They are really, really good. Um, the one that I am reading currently, I, I have to. I was so scared to start this book because the author is a good friend of mine on Twitter. I think he's an amazing human, and he is an avid listener of the podcast. He's a, a huge supporter of everything that I do, and. So he had, he had sent me a copy of his book and I was so scared to start it. Cause I'm like, I love him as a human being. I love him as a friend. I don't want to hate his book. And I'm so nervous to start it because I'm like, what if I don't like it? But I got to tell you, I was worried for nothing. This book is so good. He, it's 574 pages. I am telling you, it is a book. It is a monster. Um, and there's going to be three of them. I think it's going to be a trilogy. And the character development that he has in this book is amazing. Um, you know, I am not typically for the character driven books. I, I prefer the action driven books. But he has created these characters that regardless of your phase in life and regardless of what you're currently doing with your life, you can relate to some part of these people. 
you know, and it just, it's absolutely amazing. Um, the book is called The Goners, Volume 1, um, by Kenyon Gagne. <laughs> I have the hardest time pronouncing his last name. It's G-A-G-N-E. And he, he has told me how to pronounce it a couple of different times. I still can't get my mouth to, to pronounce it correctly. Um, but it's definitely a book that I recommend. It's definitely a book that I am super excited to review on my website. Um, and I am meeting with him in July for the podcast. So I'm super excited about that as well. Um, but it's... I'm sure to listen to that podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, he, he has just... He has been... It's just a huge supporter of everything that I do for the indie community um, and just super cool human um, just in general. So it's um, it's going to be really exciting. Um, but that is definitely a book that I recommend to just about everybody. I am kicking myself for being so, <laughs> so afraid to start this book um, because it, it really has been just a wonderful experience and I have had a hard time putting it down. So, um, I definitely recommend that if you get a chance to grab, I think you can grab it on Kindle, I believe, um, through Amazon. He might have it on Barnes and Noble, but I'm not sure about that. So definitely recommend those. Um, quick question. Now that I have recommended a book, is there one or two or five or however many books that you would recommend to our listeners? It depends on what stage of life you're in and also what are your needs. So I think that for me, um, because I've, I've been going through a minor life crisis, it was... Uh, the Joy of Living was useful. Uh, it's, it was written by a Buddhist monk, so I've been also reading that. Um, I think the, the previous year, 2020, and all the lockdowns have been symbolized uh, also by uh, Matt Haig's book. Uh, it's also one of the mainstream books, The Midnight Library. I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, I... I would still stick to my Terry Pratchett <laughs> collection. Maybe The Thief of Time or the first first two, The Color of Magic and The Light Fantastic, because I like Terry Pratchett. I think most of all the, the um, authors uh, of, so far, because he manages to deal with very, very difficult themes of life in general, of death, of, of transience, but in a very lighthearted, uh, but in a serious, but lighthearted and um, positive, optimistic way. So it's it's actually his style of writing that I'm uh, trying to learn the most from. So I think if you are down at, at the moment, uh, try to read any of his books, and I think you will feel a little better. Okay, yeah, I, I have noticed the... Um, I definitely agree with the optimistic outlook um you know because i i kind of remember that same feel uh, from when i watched uh the hogfather how you know it's it's a dark movie 
you know, it's a dark theme. You know, they're trying to kill basically Christmas, but it's, you laugh through it, you know, and there's funny parts and there's happy parts and, um, you know, cute parts and, you know, all of that. And, you know, but at the same time, it's, you know, it deals with that dark theme. So I, you know, I definitely agree with that, that optimistic, um, theme of his books. I will definitely need to check them out. I'm feeling more and more than I need to check his books out. Um, so what, what would you say to a brand new author, like somebody who hasn't even started a book yet? Like they just had this idea that they want to be an author, haven't started yet. What would you say to them? I think the first thing to do would be write down your thoughts. Whenever you have an idea, write it down. You can, nowadays, we are, we, are, we are lucky that we have our mobile phones. You can record an idea. Uh, you know, by voice, or, or just write it down on your mobile, or you can write it down, have a dedicated small little notebook, and write it down in, th- in that notebook, because out of those ideas, you can build a book. And because um, and ideas usually don't come when you're sitting in front of the computer. They usually come when you're doing other things, for example, washing the dishes, or you're out, because the brain's free to roam at that time and you get the best ideas. And the best the best thing you can do is to write down those ideas. And it doesn't matter exactly what it is. It doesn't have to conform to a specific form. It can, and it can be a poem. It can be a poem without a rhyme. It can be a short story. It can be a micro story. It can be a long novel. But the first step is to write it down. And in the next step, after you know that you have a rounded idea that you've been able to write down as a whole, you can start um, forming a book or a short story from that. And the next step would be to get it published. And that's why I chose uh, Kindle, because it's the easiest way to be self-published. And then it's, it's I think the, the next step is, is the most difficult for indie authors in general, and that's the marketing. If you have a, a friend, a, base of friends and of acquaintances that are going to read your book, then um, send a link to them, have them read it, have them comment, have them buy it, or maybe uh, schedule a promo. And from then on, you can uh, work with your book via social media. So don't get discouraged at any stage, just do it. Um, Because I think that, that these times and also because of the lockdowns and the quarantine and so on and the COVID crisis, uh, it's the best times for writing because times of crisis are those times that offer the most material for writing. For example, Second World War. I begin my book with a scene from the Second World War. And now it's the same. Difficult things are happening and we should write those things down, also our thoughts about them because that's also our legacy that we are leaving for our posterity, for our uh, children, for those who will come behind us. So I think it's important if you have an idea, write it down. That's the first step. I, I love what you said about leaving a legacy behind. You know, that is so incredibly true that, you know, all of these books, they're going to 
survive all of these authors that, you know, are creating them now, you know, and I know a lot of authors that, you know, you guys will probably still be writing when you're in your 80s and your 90s and, you know, hopefully your hundreds. But when you are gone, these books, you know, are going to survive. And those of us who had the honor to get to know you and to get to speak with you are going to say, I knew Polly when, I knew Seb when, I knew Kenyon when. And, you know, that, that legacy that you guys are leaving behind is incredible. And I, I just love that so much. Um, so what, you know, you've, you've spoken to authors, to brand new authors. What, what is something encouraging and maybe inspirational that you can say to your fellow authors that are currently working on their books? I think that writing books and also writing in general is incredibly, incredibly therapeutic because I, that's during the same year that I wrote and self-published my book. Uh, it was the same, same year that I was learning about how to process grief because my father died in March, 2020. And one of the greatest pieces of advice, if, if you are in the, having difficult times, if you're facing depression or grief or something like that, anxiety, whatever, is to write things down. So writing is a kind of a therapy. And it also helps to, for, for me, it was, um, let's say a meditative process. Uh, where I could uh, focus my thoughts and I could discipline my thoughts instead of just being sad all the time. So um, it's not, you, you know, you can write things down and it will be only you who will be reading them if you write them in a journal. But writing is a process that basically cleanses your soul. So try to use it in that way. It will help you. So it's it kind of goes back to... Uh, what I was talking about with Tim last week on the podcast, the the whole write what you know thing. Um, you know, if you, you don't have to, you know, basically you don't have to put all of your life experiences in a book verbatim. You don't have to have your character lose her father because you lost your father, but you can have her maybe lose something and help process that grief through your writing of her. But it was, but it's something that, you know, if that makes, I'm not even sure that you makes know, sense. You, you actually, you totally found me out because that's what I'm most doing. So you, 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 you are good. <laughs> it's well, it's, you know, it just, I, you know, Tim and I were talking last week and, um, I think it was Tim last week. I could be completely off on my timeline. Um, but you know, we were talking about, you know, when you're writing a book that's set in the real world, such as America or Slovenia or Russia or, you know, wherever you, it's important to use what you know to build that story. 
you know, writing something in a setting in a country that you've never visited, it's harder to write what you know because you're, you've never been to that country. You have absolutely no idea how it is to live in that country. When you're writing fantasy, you can just, if you want a half fairy, half orc character, knock yourself out, you know, but, you know, using your life, your own life experiences and using what you know to build your stories does help them seem more real to the readers. And it helps us connect to those characters in a way that maybe we couldn't before. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Exactly. And um, I, even though it's fantasy, because um, I think we sometimes um, think about fantasy and also the vampire genre uh, uh, in a very lighthearted manner. Oh, it just got really, really loud. The wind, the, the wind just got really loud. Okay, just let me just put the phone for, down for a second. I can move in. Okay. That work? Okay, yeah, that'll work. I will sit here and just kind just, of... Just wait a second. Okay. We will just chatter as we wait for I'm Polly to, to come back. <laughs> I can tell. I was... I was really enjoying the view outside, but yeah, it just got just got really loud. <laughs> yeah, the wind is a bit crazy because we we, we are having uh, April weather now. Yeah. And yesterday it was a lovely, warm, sunny day, so I just I I was convinced, you know, that I could offer you the same views, and <laughs> and I tried to do it now, but yeah, the wind. Was I I definitely was enjoying the view. Um, we don't have. Here, um, in, I want to say he just, in general here in America, um, but at least in my state, we don't have very many, like, tall apartment buildings. We have two stories, and I think that the tallest apartment buildings that we have are, like, maybe three stories. And so we don't get, like, that big, expansive view over the, over the city here than we get, you know, than other people get in other cities and, and other parts of the world. And it just, it makes me so sad, um, you know, that, you know, I'll watch TV shows or movies and they'll have like these big high rise apartments. And I'm like, we need those here because <laughs> we don't but, just, we just don't get the views here that, that I think we need. So, but you but on the other hand, you have the expanse, which is also, I think, expanses in general are good for the soul because it, you know, they sometimes say, I don't know who said it, that, that deserts are good for writing because your thoughts expand so much. In it. So I, I also think that big landscapes are, are good sometimes for, because, because they are devoid of anything else that could occupy your attention. So you, you are paying more attention to your own thoughts. Yeah, my own thoughts tend to get me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, you know, I have thought about, you know, sometimes, you know, just going out to the desert, but it gets cold in the desert at night, and I don't like to be cold. 
So I'm like, you know, in the daytime when it's super, super, super hot, I could probably deal with that because I deal much better with being overly warm than I do with being overly cold. I get really cranky when I'm cold, just really cranky. And it, I'm not the best person to be around when I'm cold. So I, you know, I, during the winter, I pretty much live in a beanie, like what you have on. <laughs> it's pretty much just on my head constantly because I, you know, a lot of the heat just escapes out the top of my head. And, you know, I, I just, I have to keep my heat in. It's mine. You can't have it. <laughs> so yeah, we, um, I had noticed the other day here that we had gotten a lot of that wind and you know it's just it seems to be traveling around the world because we don't I don't think we really have it much here and now you have it so you're welcome <laughs> so yeah we were, we were you you asked me what I thought about um yeah the fa fantasy genre and so on yeah it's sometimes taken lightly I think fantasy in general but it's I think fantasy is a great way of transmitting experience of encapsulating experience that would otherwise perhaps be difficult to transmit that's what Terry Pratchett does I, I think for me at least uh, uh, um, and um, also uh, the vampire fantasy subgenre uh, and uh, I also wanted to say that if, I think it would be great if more people had ideas about um, reflecting on the current times, on current crisis, on current lockdowns, because uh, I, I know that 5, 10, 20 years from now, younger people will be reflecting on how it was at that time when there were lockdowns, when there, were, when there was COVID. And I think what through writing, also writing fantasy, we are uh, creating a, a collective reflection of humanity about our uh, about this experience because this is not only the the statistics and the uh, you know how many people have been infected or or, or uh, vaccinated or died which are sad statistics but also how it's felt so I think it's good if more people are writing. Okay, um, what? Um... How do you think living in Slovenia, um, just the, and I'm, I'm asking this question because I've never been there. Um, geography is not my strong suit. I didn't even know there was a Slovenia until a couple of months ago. <laughs> so I am so sorry. Geography is just not my, it is just not my thing. I just don't know where you, I live in Oklahoma in the U.S., and I can name you maybe 10 towns in my entire state. <laughs> so I just don't, I don't get geography. I'm not good at it. Um, so what do you think living in Slovenia and in the culture that you guys have there? How do you think that has affected your writing and, and influenced your writing? Not affected, influenced. It has because um, I I think as Slovenians, uh, we are, uh, all of us, uh, um, I think every Slovenian speaks or understands at least one uh, uh, other language because we have been, we are a two million uh, country, uh, which is between Italy 
and Hungary and Austria and Croatia. So through history, Slovenia has been conquered by many empires. So it has been, let's say, a survival trait for people here to learn foreign languages to survive because they were always foreign overlords. So maybe I think that's translating also in my writing because I have vampires <laughs> who are overlords, you know. And my, my main character, she also speaks a, a lot of different languages. And um, I and I well and also uh, that's a Slovenian, it's a Slovenian trait to travel a lot because we are a small country and we live in the European Union. It's easy to travel. We like to travel. Uh, so uh, I've also um, tried to distill that experience from my travels and put it in my book. Um, and also um, we are sometimes sometimes I think good judges of character. <laughs> because we have to observe, you know, other people, more powerful people. Uh, maybe that, that I'm, I'm trying to use that in my writing, but that may be more uh, of a thing for me personally. So where is your favorite place to travel? Oh my gosh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so many, um, but I think that I've seen most of Europe, some of Africa. And um, so I would like to see uh, some of the um, geological uh, features uh, on Iceland. Oh, I think, Iceland uh, would be so cool. Yeah. Uh, right? Yes. Right? Uh, and also in um, Australia and New Zealand. because um, And also I like... Expand, great expanses that give you uh, food for thought, where you can see stars uh, at night. Uh, so, mm, yeah, I like Australia. But in Europe, I've, I think my favorite places that I've been to have been Rome, uh, because Italians have great coffee. Uh, and <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I my, think I, yeah. My husband is Italian. Yeah. yeah. They, they have great coffee, great food, um, great, uh, you know, culture, great history. Also in Slovenia, we have it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and Prague, I like Prague very much. And it also appears in uh, my first book. Um, okay, so I am a huge foodie. I love food. And... Um, this is actually something that I don't think I have brought up in a podcast yet. We have managed to cover movies. We've managed to cover, um, political situations. We have managed to cover music, uh, last week with Tim. I don't think we have, I don't think I've talked about food with an author yet. So we're going to talk about food for just a minute. What is, what would you consider the ultimate Slovenian dish. You just named it because it's Easter now in Slovenia. We are Christians, so there will be potica. What is that? <laughs> is potica is is a walnut roll cake uh, made of uh, dough using yeast, uh, so, uh, and it's uh, yeasty dough, and you put uh, walnut filling in it with raisins and roll it and bake it and uh, we just brought uh, home uh, yesterday a store-bought 
pizza because we have to have the pizza for Easter, but we are not making it at home because it's so difficult because if you have, let's say, a Slovenian mother or a granny who's making uh, um, food for Easter, they, they are usually super nervous on Friday before Easter, on Good Friday, because on Good Friday you have to make the pizza. And, and the, the dough is incredibly uh, uh, sensitive because it's, it's made with yeast, it has to rise like bread, and no one is allowed in the kitchen because the dough could get cold and it could get flat, you know, and then pizza will be flat, you know, that's not okay. Um, I may, I, I may need you to, um, send me through, through messages on Twitter, exactly how to spell that. It's, it's P-O-T-I-C-A. P-O-T-I-T-A. Potica. Because in Slovenian, we don't, uh, it's, it's, uh, for Slovenians, it's, it's weird that you're, for example, pronouncing a like a, like <laughs> I like I, because we pronounce a and e. <laughs> so potitsa, yeah, potitsa. Okay, because I'm I may need I may need to see if I can find. I doubt I can because America is kind of backwards when it comes to stuff like this. But I may need to see if I can find either a recipe or. I can or a store-bought one because I may need to try that. <clears throat> I do have to eat gluten-free, so I may need to figure out if I can make it gluten-free. Not, I don't know if yeast can do the same thing to gluten-free flour that it can to regular flour, so that makes me nervous. Think, but Yeah, I think in, in Slovenia, they probably have gluten-free because we are we are uh, um, we are quite conscious about gluten-free food in Slovenia mm, but there are also other foods that we eat for uh, Easter and usually it's the, the eggs and they are colored and so on you know uh, and uh, we eat uh, ham with horseradish ham with horseradish I hmm yeah huh. because uh, Horseradish, uh, you know, it's 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 like um, I think it's like yuzu. It's, it has the same flavor, and it's um, you you grate it, and you put apple in it and maybe some honey, and it's used as uh, seasoning for the ham. Oh, nice! Yeah, see, now you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I that's usually one of the first things that I ask. Um, and I'm so I'm kind of surprised it took me almost an hour to ask um, when I meet somebody from another country that I haven't really had a chance to learn about is what kind of foods do you guys have and how can I find it? <laughs> I over the years when I was a kid, I was picky. I didn't want to try anything new. I wanted to stick with what I know. I no, just give me my mac and cheese and we're good. But over the years, I have kind, I'm still a little bit picky on how my food is prepared. Um, but I'm not as picky on what I'll eat, if that makes sense. You know, like I will, you know, I tried um, butternut squash 
you know, I'm not really a big, huge squash fan, but I tried butternut squash, but I made it into a soup. And That's okay too. so, so I will probably never eat butternut squash unless it's in a soup. <laughs> now, have you tried buckwheat? I have not, but I have heard that it is a, an amazing gluten-free alternative. Um, it's just kind of pricey here. Oh, because yeah. in Slovenia it's quite traditional. And we might make something called, uh, it's not porridge, it's gansi. We say gansi because it's like porridge. You make porridge. First you, you, you take buckwheat flour, you heat it over uh, in, a, in a pan. Uh, so it, it, it dries very well. And then you uh, pour boiling water over it. You get kind of porridge. And then you just shape it into bite-sized chunks. And it goes very good good with uh, sauerkraut, because we have that in Slovenia too, and uh, uh, sausages that we have here uh, in Slovenia. And that's traditional. Yeah. That's like a traditional uh, Slovenian highland Highlands foods, because in Slovenia, even though we are so small, we have like five different regions, and we have a highland region, which is called Gorinska, and that's a typical warming food uh, that gets you filled uh, with energy for the whole day. Yeah, the I I sure hope that Slovenian sauerkraut smells a lot better than American sauerkraut. Cause let me tell you, here, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> we, I worked in an office building um, a yeah. few years ago that we had a we had a lady come in. I think she was German. Like her, her heritage was German and she came and she made sauerkraut for bratwurst and she stunk up the entire building and I wanted to go home. <laughs> it no. did not smell good to me. So I, sour, sauerkraut, I tend to just kind of stay away from because here it's just not not good. Really, I, I can't believe it because here, if you go to the market, to the farmer's market, because we have a central farmer's market in Ljubljana, there is a, usually a huge line of people lining up for the for the best sauerkraut seller uh, <laughs> on the farmer's market. And it doesn't, doesn't smell good. And uh, we usually prepare it by uh, just lightly boiling it. And we add spices, you know, like paprika and like cumin and so on. It smells pretty Yum. nice. Uh, yeah, I love the smell of cumin. Okay, so I'm thinking I might have to plan a trip to Slovenia and just like come visit you guys totally. Um, I have to save my pennies, but I, I'm going to have to see what I can do about that. Make Put it on my bucket list. You know, if you or anyone else from Twitter appears in Slovenia, let's say in summer, you can just uh, uh, ring me up and I, I'll be happy to lead you around. Oh, awesome. Do you guys have um, a midsummer festival? We, uh, it depends on which one. We do have a number of festivals. Music festival, we have a, uh, uh, I think there's a movie night at the castle, so you can watch uh, movies uh, uh, inside the castle. Uh, nice. At night, there's a lot of festivals, but a number of them were canceled 
uh, uh, the previous year because of the COVID situation. So it depends how it will be this year. Yeah, I was just um, wondering because my sister and I, when we were, I think I was 13 and she was 14. So we're talking like 20 some years ago. Um, we got to go to Sweden. <coughs> Excuse me. And for 10 days and they, we actually happened to be there over midsummer, which is, um, the longest day of the year. And in the, the area of Sweden that we were in was towards the North part of Sweden in Urbra. I'm probably butchering that. I'm so sorry. Um, and so there day was like it ended at like midnight so their sun set at like midnight and rose again at like three in the morning so they and they happened to um because it's it was midsummer they had this whole big huge festival like people met in campgrounds and you know we all went camping overnight and <clears throat> did the whole bonfire thing um for for we, midsummer we actually do have that uh precisely for uh the midsummer day uh in june uh because we have the tradition that's called uh kris bonfire so bonfires are lit all over Slovenia, and the biggest one is lit here in ljubljana on a hill near Ljubljana, it's called Rosnik, it means Rose Hill. And uh, it's also uh, the occasion where the uh, winners of the Best Book Award for the year are announced. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. So you guys, do so you have a lot of authors there in Slovenia? Uh, we do. Um, and um, a number of them are contemporary. I, one of my acquaintances from Sky School has been quite a well-known and very prolific author in Slovenia, uh, Goran Vojnovic. He's been writing about uh, former Yugoslavia and how it was to live there. I don't think he's been translated yet. And uh, we are a very, actually a very bookish nation because uh, not only is our bonfire, uh, midsummer uh, uh, day connected to books, and uh, also, you know, that most nations have uh, a kind of uh, statue in their main squares, which are usually war leaders and so on. And not well in Slovenia, you have the, 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 the best known poet. Which oh, was that's cool. <laughs> that is, that is very, very cool. Um, so who would you recommend if somebody, me, wanted to start reading Slovenian authors. Who would you recommend that has been translated into English? Because Pam doesn't read Slovenian yet. I think that um, so few uh, Slovenian authors have been translated that um, when, wherever you start, you should be uh, reading well because um, only those who have had the widest um, I'd say audiences in Slovenia have also been translated, but uh, um, the, the, the best known poem, his poet has been um, uh, Francep Lesheren. That's, uh, I, can, uh, I can send you a, a link or maybe um, 
his poems because they are, uh, you know, they are from the 19th century and they were to the note of um, gaining independence already at that time. So Slovenia is an independent country now, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. We are in the EU, but we, are in, we have been independent since 1991. Uh, there has been a 10 year, had been a 10 year war, 10 day war. Uh, it was quite tense because we had some Yugoslav army on our streets. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it went well. Well, that was good. Um, so are you guys a... What kind of government do you guys have there? We have the same as, I think, most European nations. That's uh, parliaments, parliamentary democracy. Uh, and it's parliamentary democracy, which means that the parliament has uh, the most power, not the president, uh, as in the US, for example, in Slovenia, the president has to sign any law that has been adopted. Uh, um, in the US, the president has the power not to sign and to defer uh, uh, the uh, entry into force of an act. In Slovenia, they don't have that possibility. So we are pretty much parliamentary democracy. Okay. Um, so what we are actually almost out of time, so we're going to ask just a couple more questions. If what would you recommend for if somebody was traveling to Slovenia, what would you recommend the first thing that they do, or one of the first things that they do as a tourist? I think the, uh, I think it's the nicest and the easiest thing to do is just to um, book, uh, let's say, a, a small hotel in Ljubljana in the center, if you can, for two days or an Airbnb, because now a lot of places, um, let's say high rise, like this here, uh, are on, Air, uh, are on um, you can just book them, you know, and um, just walk through the, the, uh, the old city and the farmer's market. Because um, you have the, there, you have uh, remains from the Roman period and from the medieval period, and also from the um, let's say 16th century and so on. The castle there is from the 16th century, and also more modern buildings uh, like, uh, for example, 19th century secession and uh, um, the socialist buildings. You saw socialist buildings uh, in the background when I was filming outside and. Uh, and uh, also, uh, one architect is very well known, Plechnik, who also uh, created buildings in Prague. So just walk through the old town uh, uh, at your uh, at a leisurely pace, uh, because um, you will get the feel for the city, for the people, and from there uh, you can book a number of uh, tourist agencies that will take you to to just any place. Uh, within uh, and the travel will take only one hour because Slovenia is so small, so you can get to sea, you can get to mountains in one hour. So yeah, it's 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 pretty nice actually. So how long, if somebody wanted to come and just like look around the entire country, um, how long would you recommend somebody stay? Could you see the entire country in a week? Would it take two weeks, a month? I think that a week is okay because let's say you spend a couple of days uh, uh, in Ljubljana, then you can go to the coast for a couple of days, to the mountains for a couple of days, and one day maybe just drive around and that's it. We are a small country, but uh, you can get, uh, but 
it's like we are very very uh, very you know you can see the mountains and the, the lowlands and the sea so it also depends on uh, how how you like to travel if you like adventure or if you like to just relax I think if you like to relax, you can easily take two weeks in Slovenia and just go to, to spa. We have lots of spas with thermal water, natural thermal water. Nice. <laughs> and so I think we are a nice country to relax in. I, yeah, I, I would definitely take the relaxing route, I think. <laughs> um, okay, so we just hit the 55-minute mark, um, and it stops recording at an hour, so... What is one last thing you want to tell the listeners about anything? Just your last words of the podcast. I think that these are these have been difficult times for all of us uh, because of the COVID crisis. And I think that um, writing and reading in general can help us to get through that together. So if you are or have been at least a little into writing and reading, do continue. It will be good for you. It will be good for your soul. If you want to read anything of mine, you can head to Amazon, uh, read my vampire fantasy, uh, leave a comment. I will be happy to read it. I also have an Instagram page. It's at writing PB uh, with no other signs, just writing PB. I have my poems there. And I would like to encourage everyone to write and to read because I think that's good for you. So. Okay, awesome. Well, I have loved chatting with you today and I am looking forward to continuing to engage with you on Twitter and you have been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I am going to hit stop and.